With Pat Steinberg on Sportsnet 960 The Fan. All right, we are underway this hour. It is Thursday, May 25th. Welcome to the Sports Drive, brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key to like system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit CalgaryLockandSafe.com. It's Steinberg along with you from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. We're available on Apple, Spotify, Google, Amazon, or wherever you get your podcasts. Uh, look, there's there's lots going on. It's been a rather significant week for the Calgary Flames. In fact, one of the most significant days in franchise history was Tuesday when they named the eighth general manager in franchise history by the name of Craig Conroy. Let's uh, kick off this hour by going down the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline, saying hello to the voice of the Calgary Flames. Derek Wills joins us right now. Uh, after the alumni golf tournament, which wrapped up on Thursday afternoon, another, uh, and it didn't rain. That alumni golf tournament, man, has been cursed every year with snow <laughs> or awful weather. It was gorgeous today. Yeah, a little cool at times, but we can't complain. Uh, the sun was out for a good chunk of the day, and it was an unbelievable day out here. And you talk about Tuesday being one of the most significant days uh, in recent memory for the Flames. Well, 34 years ago today, the most significant day in yes. the history of the franchise when the Flames uh, won the Stanley Cup back in 1989. And how fitting that uh, the Flames Alumni Masters Tournament was today, and we had nine members of that 1989 Stanley Cup championship team here, uh, including Al Coates on the management side and uh, eight players as well. So a uh, great day for a great cause, uh, cerebral palsy, uh, kids and families, and uh, great to see a lot of the Flames alumni and uh, so many people supporting a tournament that has now raised uh, well over $3 million in 29 years. Yeah, it's such an awesome day. And, yeah. uh, and, and I'm glad that it was able to go off without a hitch, no rain delays, no possible rescheduling. So that is, uh, that is very good news. So, okay. One piece of off season news in the books. The number one thing the flames had to figure out was who their next general manager was going to be. It's Craig Conroy. And I, and I guess the next thing is the coach that like, just in terms of order and uh, cr- uh, chronology head coach is next. We're probably what a few weeks away from a head coach announcement. Yeah, it's obviously the next domino that has to fall, and I think an important one. Clearly, there was a disconnect between the general manager and the head coach and the head coach and a number of his top players last season. And as Craig Conroy said in his introductory press conference on Tuesday, they've got to make sure that uh, everybody's pulling on the rope in the same direction and uh, you know everybody's on the same page. Not everybody's going to agree all the time, but you've got to have uh, the same vision and you've got to have uh, everybody uh, rowing uh, at the same pace and uh, going in the same direction. So uh, the next uh, hire is going to be a really important one, and I think there are three strong internal candidates, and of course uh, 35 candidates for the GM job. They go with an internal candidate and Craig Conroy, and the three candidates internally that I think would be uh, good choices uh, to be the next head coach of the team. Uh, Of course, you've got associate coach Kirk Muller, who has experience at the NHL level as a head coach. You've got Ryan Huska, who hasn't been a head coach in the NHL, but has been in the WHL and the AHL and had success at both of those levels, has coached a number of current Flames 
at those levels. I think he'd be a great choice. And then you've got Mitch Love, uh, coach of the Stockton Heat two seasons ago, uh, the Calgary Rangers last season, a two-time uh, reigning AHL coach of the year. Uh, only a couple of years of experience coaching at the professional level, though, so I do wonder about that. But, you know, three, I think, really strong internal candidates. You, you can start your list there. And then externally, I think there's some great choices as well. Gerard Gallant's an interesting one for me. Some have suggested that he's maybe too close to being a Daryl Sutter type of coach. I'm not sure about that, but a guy who has taken over good teams in the past and helped them get to the next level. So I'd certainly want to talk to him. Andrew Burnett's an interesting one. Everybody talks about the need to get Jonathan Huberto back to being an elite player. Well, Huberto had his best season playing for Burnett, put up 115 points a couple of seasons ago. So I would think that they would want to talk to him as well. And I do wonder about Joel Quenville. He's got to figure stuff out with the NHL first, but there's an experienced head coach who has uh, won Stanley Cup. So those would be six guys on my list. I'm not sure if you have anybody to add, Pat, but um, uh, pretty good starting point. What, did, you, did you mention Tange in there? I did not. And I know you've brought him up before, and that, that's an interesting one as well. The reason why I bring him up is not because I'm smart, but because Elliot Friedman brought him up. So that's the only reason oh, I bring him up. You are smart, though. Elliot's smarter. And... He's fascinating to me. I mean, yes, he's a former flame and there's all that type of stuff, but he's uh, he started to turn himself into a bit of a hot coaching commodity. He's over with Team Canada right now at the World Championship. Uh, by the way, Canada off to the semifinals. They'll take on Latvia after a 4-1 win over Finland earlier on Thursday. And he's been an assistant the last two years with Detroit. I don't know. He's an interesting name as well. And talking about guys with offensive minds and, and trying to work with specifically a guy like Huberto and, and overall getting a little bit more offensive creativity out of this team, he's an interesting one too. I still think the internal names should, and, and Craig Conroy confirmed to us on Tuesday, will get long looks. But that's that's the other name that I uh, that I would throw in there. The only thing that I, the, the thing that worries me about Gallant, because he was brought up on the text line last hour, the thing that worries me about Gerard Gallant is a lot of the same things that we heard about Daryl on the way out here, you heard on the way out of New York with Gallant. Not so much like the, the, the same approach, but you know, not necessarily willing to work hand-in-hand hand with management and maybe the message not getting through to the players and a lack of desire to adjust when it felt like adjustments were needed. That's the only reason I'm, I yeah. get the Huberto connection and he's been, you're, you're right. He is have this track record of getting places and, and kind of getting something immediate out of teams. But that would be the only worry that I have is just, it, it's you hear You're hearing a lot of the same things about Gallant that we are hearing about Daryl. And who they go with could depend on what direction they're going to go in. And one of the most fascinating parts about uh, the introductory press conference for Craig Conroy and, and Dave Nonis on Tuesday was that on a couple of occasions, and I followed up with a question about it, they talked about potential changes to the core. And, the, and they said the number seven, as far as the number of UFAs they have next summer, not this summer, but there are seven. But for me, there are six key ones. You've got three up front, two of your top three centermen and Michael Backlund and Elias Lindholm, and then your leading goal scorer and point producer and Tyler Toffoli, all unrestricted free agents next summer. And then on the fence, two of your top four, three of your top five, Noah Hannafin, Chris Tanev, and Nikita Zadorov. And if you aren't able to bring back half of those guys or more, then maybe you've got to go in a 
a little bit different direction. And maybe you could get away with hiring a younger, less experienced head coach that could kind of grow with the team. But as we heard from Craig Conroy and from Don Maloney on Tuesday, if the Flames were to kind of run it back with the same core group of players and just tinker around the edges, they think that this is a playoff team. And maybe a team that, kind of like the Panthers, as the eighth seed in the Eastern Conference, the Panthers who finished one point behind the Flames in the overall standings this season, well, you get hot at the right time, you get a hot goaltender at the right time, and you can go a long way in the playoffs, and the Panthers are on their way to the Stanley Cup Finals. So uh, who's to say the Flames couldn't go on that type of run if they started to play uh, their best hockey at the right time, and if Jacob Markstrom got hot, uh, I think they've got that potential next season. And in that case, I would probably want to coach with a little bit more experience, but they might not have that option. They might have to trade guys like Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin and others, and it's going to be tough to replace a, a number one centerman and a top two or top four defenseman if that's the case. So it, depending on what happens with those, uh, I would say, six pending UFAs, if you look ahead to next summer, I think that could uh, impact uh, the, the type of coach the Flames go with uh, as they look to hire a guy in the next uh, two, three weeks here. So do you, in your mind, like is there a front runner for Derek? Like do you have one that you're like, yeah, this is the guy that I think – uh, should be the, the, the number one front runner? I really like Ryan Huska. I mean, I, I just think he's a, a really good blend. Uh, he is a guy who can be hard when he has to be, but isn't hard all the time. He has been a head coach for a number of current flames at the AHL level. And I think there's a tremendous amount of respect in the dressing room for him. And he's a young up-and-comer who interviewed for at least one head coaching job in the NHL last summer. So I think he's really highly thought of, not only here in Calgary, but uh, around the NHL. And if he doesn't end up being the Flames head coach uh, this time around, maybe he ends up coaching another one of the uh, 31 other NHL teams. So he would certainly be right, if not at the top of the list, then near the top of the list for me. I mean, Kirk Mulder's, I think, another really strong candidate. I don't know as much about Mitch Love. I just haven't had uh, an opportunity to spend a, a ton of time with him because we're at the NHL level and he's at the AHL level, and obviously he's had a lot of success in both Stockton and in Calgary. But uh, there are some pretty good uh, external co- candidates that we've talked about as well and probably some guys that I haven't even thought of. But I am a really big fan of Ryan Huska. And the fact that he knows the city and knows the organization and knows the team, I think would put the Flames in a position where they could hit the ground running to start next season. So if you held my feet to the fire, Pat, I think there's a lot of great candidates out there, but I am a big uh, Ryan Hoska fan. How about you? Uh, it's it's between, and, and I'm I'm big in both these hires on the internals, and I know that there's lots of others who believe that, that going internal is not the way the Flames should go, and I, I respect that. It was a really frustrating year, and so the whole idea of, of a fresh set of eyes and fresh outlook and and not coming in here with the the same kind of voices and and names that that have been household over the last little bit I do understand that but for continuity reasons I I actually do like the idea I like the idea of internal uh, for for the GM, and they made the right call in going with Craig Conroy, and I still like it from a head coaching standpoint as well. So for me, it's it's neck and neck with Huska and and Mitch Love, and the the, the maybe the reason why I am slightly on the Mitch Love side, and it's very slight because everything you said about 
Hosk, I, I'm in complete agreement with. I've got nothing but respect for that guy, and, and I think that the way that he's perceived inside that locker room and within the organization and around the league is, is very, very highly. But I just worry about Wes. Wes is the one who kind of articulated it the best when talking about Mitch Love. And, and here's a guy that is a two-time AHL coach of the year with two years in the American League under his, under his belt. So he's, he's hit that at 100%. And you just hate to see him coaching next year against you and being like, damn, that was the guy that we discovered or the guy that we gave his first pro opportunity to, and now he's coaching against us. That would be yeah. the, the, the one thing that maybe leans me in Mitch's direction, albeit very, very slightly. I don't think you can hire a guy because you're afraid someone else is going to hire a guy. I really don't. I think you have to hire the best guy for your team. And if the Flames were at a different point, and maybe they will be at not a significantly different point, but a little bit different point, depending on what happens with those six UFAs that we talked about. But if they're at a point where they have to retool a little bit and get a little bit younger, then and their, their expectations internally aren't as high entering next season as they were entering last season, then yeah. Then I think going with uh, a younger, less experienced candidate could be the way to go because then that head coach could grow along with the team. But if you are expecting to be a Stanley Cup contender next season, then I think there's something to be said for bringing in a guy who has experience, if not as a head coach at the NHL level, then at least as an assistant coach in this league right. and as a head coach at other levels. And that's why I think, uh, and this is no knock on Kirk Muller, I think he'd be a great candidate as well. But just our, our, our chance to spend time with Ryan Husko over the years, I've just been so impressed of you know how he's kind of just maintained uh, uh, an even level. He doesn't get too high. He doesn't get too low. And that's one of the things that I heard from Flames players this year that we talked about uh, how this team probably didn't have a lot of fun. Well, losing isn't fun. I don't care where you are or who you play for, but when winning isn't fun, I think that's where it uh, can become a slippery slope because then you don't want to come to the rink because it doesn't matter what you do. It doesn't matter whether you win or whether you lose, you're just miserable all the time. And that's, that's got to change. And Craig Conroy touched on that when he spoke with the media on Tuesday, going to the rink was always fun for Craig. And he feels that going to the rink should be fun for the flames, especially when they play well and when they win. And it's not always going to be fun when you lose, but uh, hopefully you win more than you lose and you're having more fun uh, than not. So I, I do think there are a number of great candidates out there. Again, uh, I know more about some of the candidates than I do about uh, some of the other candidates, but I know enough about Ryan Huska to think that he could potentially be a really good fit for this team just because he knows the team from top to bottom. He's coached a bunch of the players and, and a number of them at uh, different levels. And again, I think he's, he's got that balance of a guy who can be hard but isn't hard all the time. And I think the guys really respect him based on what I've heard uh, from players who I've talked about about him. So, um, again, they've got some great choices, and uh, they'll make the right one. I'm confident in that. The, um, one of the, the reasons why I'm quite interested in a guy like Mitch Love is just because of the recent trend of guys getting an opportunity from the American League. And, and for instance, Jay Woodcroft comes to mind right away. Now, 
Granted, Jay Woodcroft had plenty of time as an assistant um, in the NHL prior to being a head coach in the American League. There's no doubt about that. He had had a you know almost a decade's worth of assistant coaching yeah. job. But I think of Jared Bednar in Colorado, um, and he went right from the American League to the NHL and had zero NHL coaching experience when he made the jump. And the same is true with John Cooper. He had no NHL experience when he made the jump from the American League to the NHL, and both have had a, well, they've won the last three Stanley Cups, and I know they won't win this year, but those, and even Jim Montgomery, uh, I know that Dallas ended poorly because of some off-ice stuff, but you you take a look at what he's done, having no NHL experience, jumping from the amateur ranks and right into coaching in the NHL. I just, those things really resonate with me. And, you know, you, th- those, those are things that I think about. And I wonder if a guy like Mitch Love could make that jump himself, you know? Potentially. Again, I just I don't know enough about him. And uh, Craig Conroy and the Flames Management Group would know way more about Mitch Love than I do. And obviously I've only heard really good things about him. And the fact that he's been coaching professionally for two years and has won AHL Coach of the Year both of those years says a lot about uh, what a, a good young coach he is. And maybe he is the right guy for the job. I just, I don't know right, enough about right, him sure. to say that confidently. I know way more about Ryan Huska. Uh, and he does have uh, a longer resume. I'm not going to say a better resume, but certainly a longer resume. And I do think experience, it's not the be-all and the end-all, but I do think that it's important. And there were some bumps in the road early for John Cooper. And certainly for Jared Bednar, remember, the Avalanche had one of the worst seasons in NHL history. Oh, yeah. Him behind the bench. But he figured it out, and they figured it out, and they won a Stanley Cup last season. So, you know, if it meant one season of pain uh, to make a long run of the playoffs, I'm sure a lot of Flames fans would be okay with that. But it's, uh, it's a really important hire. They've got to get the right guy who gets the most out of his players. And as we've talked a lot about, the, anal- the analogy that I love to use, Pat, is that in the past, with most players – the coach would say jump and the player would say how high. And I think now with most players, and, and there are exceptions to this rule, just like there were back in the day, but you know, the coach says jump and the player asks why. Why yeah. should I jump? What's in it for me if I jump? So I think you need a guy who commands respect, but I also think you need a guy who can build different relationships with each and every player on his roster, who has a good relationship with his assistant coaches and with his general manager and the management group. And even with the media, I, I do think that's important because when a player or a coach or a manager speaks to a member of the media or a group of media, they're speaking to the fans. That, they're not talking to us. They're talking through us to the fans. So they've got to pick the right guy, and they'll go through the process, and I'm sure they've probably got, uh, even though they've got a long list, they've probably got uh, a short list uh, on their minds as well, and uh, we'll see if they get somebody in place to pull the draft here. Let's. Uh, Derek Wills is with us. Let's go back to to the Huska conversation. What uh, you know, Jeff Ward got the bump from associate coach to head coach and have the interim year and then thirty six games of being a full time head coach before he was replaced. And you know, the last time the Flames hired from within, prior to that, Jim Playfair got the bump and lasted one season before he was demoted and Mike Keenan was brought in. Just one, like, how, how does a coach avoid that? How does, a, how does an assistant coach 
who gets promoted to head coach within the same organization avoid some of those things that can be uh, pitfalls, difficult, whatever the term you might want to use? Well, I wasn't here when Jim Playfair got the job, so I, I really can't speak on that. I was here, and obviously I had a relationship with Jeff Ward before I got here. Uh, we were road roommates together once upon a time in the American Hockey League, and uh, great guy and I think really good coach. But the one thing you have to consider with the change from Bill Peters to Jeff Ward is how it happened and why it happened. It's not like the Flames had the luxury of being in the offseason season being able to look at internal candidates and external candidates, go through that process and then pick the right guy. Right. Remember they, they had to make a change mid season with, without any type of warning. It's not like the team was playing so poorly that you knew there was a coaching change coming and they could kind of start that process quietly behind the scenes, figure out who the next coach was going to be and then go in that direction. It happened so suddenly. And I'll never forget that day in Pittsburgh because we actually walked back from the morning skate with Bill Peters. Uh, The Flames play the Penguins. And then I remember in the third period of that game, I got a text from you saying, hey, you better check out this tweet. And then things just blew up after that. Mm -hmm. Uh, The team flew from Pittsburgh to Buffalo. And while we were in Buffalo, the Flames uh, decided to make a coaching change. So Jeff Ward was promoted from associate coach to head coach. And the Flames didn't have an opportunity to go through the process of hiring the best guy. Now, don't forget, the Flames weren't playing particularly well when Peters was behind the bench. Ward took over and really did turn the season around. Got the Flames to the playoffs in that crazy year and helped them win uh, that, uh, what do they call it, preliminary round season? The play-in series. Yeah, versus the Jets. So it's not like it was a complete disaster, but... They didn't have the luxury of being able to go through the process and look at all the different candidates and pick the right guy. Uh, I think Jeff did really well, given the circumstances that he took over in, and ultimately it didn't work out long term. But you know, now they do have some time to, to go through the internal candidates and the external candidates. They're not in a huge rush to make a move because obviously it's a very different scenario than it was when they had to make a change from Bill Peters. So there's no guarantee that hiring Ryan Huska or Kirk Muller uh, is going to lead to success, but you're, you're not in a rush to hire one of those guys. You can pick from a bunch of other guys. So kind of like they did with the general manager, look at the internal guys, look at the external guys, and then go with the best guy. And the Flames have the time to do that right now. And they didn't. Uh, I can't speak again about Playfair, but they didn't have a chance yeah. to do that with Ward. Can you believe the Florida Panthers? Like I, I have long and been Kachuk. and Matthew Kachuk. I have long been of the, you know, and gradually this has changed. But if I go back like three or four years ago, I would have pushed back on the well, just get in and. and but more and more over the last number of years, it's been hard to, it's been hard to push back on the narrative of just get in and see what happens. And you know, last year Colorado, Tampa Bay, yeah, they were the two best teams in the league all year long, and and so and and Tampa is what they are. But I mean, I look back to 2021 and yes, it was a weird year, but it was Montreal. And in 2020, yeah, I was in the bubble, but there was uh, the Dallas Stars playing for the Stanley Cup. And so it just has become harder and harder to push back on the idea that all you got to do is get in and then anything can happen. And here are the Florida Panthers you mentioned earlier. Uh, they finished tied with Nashville and behind Calgary for for 
positioning in the overall standings, and now they're four wins away from a Stanley Cup yeah. and led by Sergei Bobrovsky and Matthew Kachuk and, and what they've done. It's just it's uh, hard to argue with that line of thinking right now. Yeah, and don't forget about playoff Sam Bennett, who has been, been a beast again. Yeah. I mean, incredibly consistent, if not in the regular season, then in the playoffs, both as a member of the Flames and as the Panthers. I mean, Matthew Kachuk, that story has been unbelievable because, let's be honest, he wasn't a great playoff performer for the Flames. I mean, he was better last season than he was in previous seasons, but he certainly wasn't very good prior to last season in the playoffs. As good as he was in the regular season, that just didn't translate to the postseason for whatever reason. But I think you'd agree, Pat, that if the playoffs were to end tonight, he'd win the Conn Smythe. Him or Bobrovsky? Yeah, and I mean, the crazy thing about Sergei Bobrovsky is, wasn't he number three on their depth chart? They were playing Alex freaking Lyon yep. ahead of him, who I hadn't even heard of until not that long ago. So Bobrovsky getting hot is something that could have happened with Jacob Markstrom. I know Sergei Bobrovsky has won two Vesna trophies, and you know, Jacob Markstrom has only been a finalist for one, but uh, we're talking about guys who uh, are proven elite goaltenders who have struggled at times. Bobrovsky struggled for a good chunk of the season and then found his game at the right time. And Matthew Kachuk, uh, even when he's had bad games in the playoffs, he's found a way to impact those games and on many nights by scoring a big goal. So it, it just goes to show you that uh, if you're a good team that uh, plays your best hockey at the right time, then you've got a chance to make some noise. And that's what we talked about uh, with the Flames heading down the stretch. And we talked about that, it feels like, for three months because it felt yeah. like they were in a playoff race uh, and fighting for their lives for three months. But, you know, I, I really did think that it was a Flames team that, if they had managed to get in, let's say they only lose 14 games in overtime and the shootout instead of 17 games, and they get in, that they could have pulled off one or two or three upsets and uh, made the type of run that the Panthers have made uh, as they finished one point ahead of the Panthers in the overall standings. I really thought the Flames could be that type of team, but you know, the Panthers have been that type of team. And uh, you look back at uh, the 2012 Kings, they were that type of team, uh, even the 2014 Kings. I think they finished sixth in the Western Conference. A couple of years earlier, they finished eighth. So they had to pull out four upsets to win the Stanley Cup. But, yeah, it, it just goes to show you that uh, there, there is so much parity in the league these days. There's not a lot of difference between, uh, I would say, the top 20, 22 teams. Teams get cold, kind of like the Bruins did. Uh, teams get hurt. Again, uh, that would apply to the Bruins. But it really does depend on the season, Pat, because last year, at least to me, there was a, a clear-cut best team in the league, and that was the Avalanche. They were the favorites basically from start to finish to win the Stanley Cup, and they did. You could argue that by having the best regular season in league history, the Bruins were that team this season. I don't know about you, but I never felt like they were a juggernaut like last season's Avalanche were. And it, it, it seemed to be a lot of smoke and mirrors to me. And I think the best example of that was that Bruins victory over the Flames at Scotiabank Saddledome, where they should have lost by about five goals and somehow won the hockey game. And they, they were apologizing or, or saying that uh, they felt sorry for the Flames after that game because they knew they got horribly outplayed and still found a way to pick up two points. And it was just one of those seasons where they faced next to no adversity. And I know I wondered, and I wondered aloud, What's going to happen when this team does uh, hit a bump in the road? How are they going to respond to that? And, well, they got banged up, so that was part of their problem in that first-round series against the Panthers. But when 
Matthew Kachuk got under their skin three or four games into the series. They got distracted by him, and eventually they got knocked out. Uh, and again, nobody's going to remember, or, or very few people will remember, that they had the best regular season in the history of the league. They're just going to remember that they got upset, upset by the eighth seed in the first round of the playoffs. So uh, that's why I really think the Flames, uh, they're going to have to make some tough decisions this summer because I think if they run it back, they've got a chance to, to get to the playoffs and to make some noise, but they also have to be careful. Uh, they, As Craig Conroy said on Tuesday, they can't, let what happened to Johnny Gaudreau yeah. last summer happen. Even though they're, they're not quite at the same level. They can't let that happen with Elias Lindholm and Noah Hannafin and maybe a couple of other guys this summer. So it's going to be a really interesting next uh, few weeks as they get a head coach. And going beyond that, a really interesting draft to see who they take in the first round. Will there be a trade at the draft? Bradshaw Loving used to love to do that. Will Craig Conroy follow suit? And will they sign uh, some or most or all of these guys long-term that those are the big questions Vegas win on uh, Vegas win tonight they, they go into the cup final I mean it's so tough for teams that are down three nothing to to wrap their heads around having to win four straight it's happened so few times uh, in the AHL I did call games for a Hamilton Bulldogs team that was down three games to nothing to the Houston Arrows in 2011 Battled back to win games four, five, and six, and lost by one goal in game seven. So you have to look at it short term. Uh, you have to win one game to get to the next game, to live to play another day. The Stars, I, I just I don't know if they can win a game. Jake Ottinger is not the same goaltender in this year's playoffs that he yeah. was in last year's playoffs. Jamie Benn clearly lost his cool. I don't know what he was thinking with that uh, stick to the neck of Mark Stone, who's been just an absolute target. Yeah, I think the Golden Knights probably uh, do what the Panthers did and and sweep their series and get to the final. But you never know. Uh, Anything can happen in this crazy game. But, hey, even the Golden Knights, who thought they'd go to the Stanley Cup final this season? I didn't. As a matter of fact, when it looked like they were going to finish first in the Pacific Division, like the Flames could finish third in the division or the Golden Knights first in the conference and the Flames eighth, and that could be a first-round matchup, I thought, I think Calgary could beat Vegas in a best-of-seven series. So (laughs) they've gone on a a Cinderella run, not to the extent that the Panthers have, but uh, the Golden Knights on paper, I look at them and I see a team that doesn't really have a clear-cut number one goaltender. They're really good on defense. I like, but I don't love their forwards. And here they are, one win away from the final. So go figure. Thank you, buddy. Appreciate the time. We'll talk to you soon. Always fun. Take care, bud. Okay, man. Uh, There's Derek Wills, the voice of the Flames, joining us here on this hour of Flames Talk. He joins us on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline using the same secret recipe since 1975. Dine in at 6060 Memorial Drive Northeast. Take out our deliveries at 403-248-3344. Canada off to the semifinals at the World Championship. They beat Finland 4-1 in quarterfinal action on Thursday. Another point for Mackenzie Wieger. A goal into the empty net for Tyler Toffoli. Uh, Team USA also off to the semifinals. Matt Coronado scores the game winner as the U.S. beats Czechia 3-0. So now your semifinal matchups are set. It'll be Canada and Latvia as Latvia, one of the co-hosts, upsets Sweden. And it'll be the 
Americans and Germany. Germany beat Switzerland in semifinal action earlier on Thursday as well. So Canada plays Latvia. The U.S. plays Germany in your semifinal matches. Before the game, our uh, Flames Talk World Championship correspondent, uh, Aaron Vickers, doing some work for us. And he got some of the first player reaction to Craig Conroy being named general manager. Let's hear from Mackenzie Weger. This was prior to Canada's 4-1 win over Finland. Uh, Weger certainly likes the decision. I think it's a great decision. Um, obviously, I didn't really get to catch much of it. It's just been crazy with the time change and whatnot, but I obviously found out. And um, You know, I think it's a great decision and a great great move for the organization. I think, uh, you know, he gets the game really well. And like you said, he's an infectious guy. And, um, you know, he wants to win. He wants to have fun while doing it. And, um, you know, I think that's really important for Calgary. Is his background interesting and interesting isn't the right adjective to use here but he's a guy that has over a thousand games of playing experience and has a decade of experience in the front office yeah yeah i think that's you know that's important i think you need to sort of play the game and understand the game and and he's done that he's got you know uh a great background of you know full of hockey and obviously you know being behind brad for so long i think he's got a lot of experience and um, you know, I'm looking forward to seeing what he can do for this team and, and to improve the team down the road here. A couple of the things he said, he wants to open up the offense a little bit. He wants to make the rink more fun to come to as a player. When you hear those two things, what immediately pops to mind? That's just winning culture, I think. Uh, you know, right now the NHL, you know, it's a lot of offense right now. And I think he is right. I think, you know, there's uh, more potential to be had with the team that we have, uh, you know, to get to have more offense. And, um, you know, there is room to have a little bit more fun. I know, you know, the last time I said that it was have a new rink, but it's a lot more than that. And, um, you know, I'm looking forward to, the, you know, the culture that he's going to bring in, the character guys that he's going to bring in. I know we're going to have a lot of fun next season. So that is Mackenzie Weger in Finland talking about Craig Conroy's appointment. And what about Tyler Toffoli, the captain of Team Canada? I'm excited for him. He, uh, he's obviously been around for a while, so it's, it's going to be a lot of fun. Obviously, the first thing I, mean, I think everybody thinks of is his personality. Is he a guy that can change the the mood of a room in a heartbeat just with the smile? Yeah, I think every time he was around, he uh, he was he was bringing the uh, the the vibe up in the room, and um, obviously he's, he's an excited guy. I think he was like that when he played too. So, I uh, obviously got to know him over the past year and a half, and uh, he's been great to me. So, uh, hopefully, you know we can kind of get things on track. Is it a curious? Not uh, curious isn't the right word, but. It's a guy that has over a thousand games of playing experience and over a decade in front office management. But just how does that having the player perspective and the management perspective help in that role? Do you think? Yeah, like I said, he, he's put in a lot of work. He, he, uh, like you said, he, he played a lot of games in the past the bunch of years. He's, he's been working and and doing all the other sides, seeing the other side of the uh, of the spectrum of, of the management side. So um, I think he he's deserved it, and um, I think everybody. Is, uh, is excited for So Mackenzie Weger, Tyler Toffoli, with lots of good things to say about Craig Conroy, who is the general manager now of the Calgary Flames. Wanted to make sure that we got that in for you as well. Thanks to Aaron Vickers doing some work for us uh, from Finland in the World Championship. Canada and the U.S., the two teams with Flames players on them, both off to the semifinal over the weekend. Steinberg along with you. This hour of Flames Talk continues from our Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. Wet Basement, they have a lasting solution to keep Keep your basement dry. If you experience any water in your basement, contact Basement Systems. They are all things basementy. Visit dlbasementsystems.com. Hey, it's Haley Salvian from The Athletic. For a look at the latest on your Calgary Flames and NHL news, go click and subscribe to the Hockey Central 960 podcast. While you're there, please rate and review the show. Anything and 
everything Calgary Flames. It's all on Flames Talk. Sportsnet 960 The Fan. Wrapping up this hour by saying hello to our buddy Jonathan Davis, our Pacific Division insider from NHL Network and NHL Network Radio. He joins us now on the Atlas Pizza and Sports Bar guest hotline. Hello, Mr. Davis. How are we doing? We're doing great, Pat. How are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing very well. Uh, still trying to wrap my head around how the Florida Panthers are in the Stanley Cup final. Well, you know, go go ask the Pittsburgh Penguins. No kidding. Or, or just, uh, I guess the Florida Panthers can go shake the hand of the Chicago Blackhawks, hey? Yeah, you take your pick. Yeah. Either one. I mean, it, you know, you just you think back to that game and you're, it, it, it's just an absolute head scratcher and it, it, it turned the fortunes around. For two teams. Yeah, and uh, we always knew that Matthew Kachuk seemed like a guy who was built for the playoffs, but we never really saw it while he was wearing a Flames jersey. Well, we're seeing why so many believe that he was built for the postseason. Guy's been unbelievable. Do you, if, if the Panthers win the Cup, do you go him or do you go Bobrovsky for Conn Smythe? I mean, can they split it? <laughs> I know, hey? I'm serious. No, I mean, I'm serious. It, it's... I, I don't think that there's a wrong choice, but I, I, I mean, I really, you know, I truly believe that both these guys, you know, deserve the award. And uh, it, it's it, it's kind of hard to argue with a, with a guy who scores four game winning, you know, four game winning goals uh, or three game winning goals. I can't even remember anymore now, but hey, it, it's, it's an award that, you know, if you told me it was split, I wouldn't be surprised. I just, it's kind of hard to pick a winner. Um, let's uh, jump into the Western Conference Final. Vegas on Thursday night with an opportunity to punch their second-ever ticket to the Stanley Cup Final and first since 2018. Did we go back to the beginning of the, the season? And we know that Vegas missed last year. But was was your feel that Vegas was going to return to being competitive or was your feel that Vegas was going to return to being elite? I'm curious what your feeling was on the Golden Knights coming into the season. I picked them under, I bet them under their point total this year. So I think that was around 96 points. So I didn't think they would be this good. Uh, but then, you know, you kind of underestimate what health means to a team. I think that's my, what initially I did. I mean, you know, they, these guys talked about it at the beginning of the year. They're, they're a healthy group. They haven't been. And they, they really, you know, I think that it was Petrangelo who had talked about that in an interview he did on After Hours with Scott Oak. And he, he had just referenced just, you know, it's the first time in a couple of years this team is fully healthy. So I don't think that we, I don't think I, you know, expected it. And then as the year went on, I mean, you just kept watching what they were doing and it was working. And, you know, I mean, it, it, it's hard to fathom, you know, in, in today's day, like you, you don't, you know, they didn't have a 30 goal score. I mean, Seattle had a 40 goal score. Vegas didn't have a 30 goal score this year, uh, but here they are. And in many ways, it's very similar to Seattle in that, you know, the sum of their parts has been, uh, been uh, just fantastic. I, I, I think the one thing that, that, Pat, that people just don't appreciate and they're finally seeing and it's been accentuated here in the playoffs is just how good that decor is. Uh, it, it is, it's, I mean, that may, I, I had said during the year, I thought this arguably, I couldn't find a better group of six than Vegas. I don't know if it was the best, but I couldn't, I, I, you know, find me a better group. Mm-hmm. Well, 
And, you know, you take a look at, there, there's been a lot of criticism. The, uh, the anti-Vegas critiques have come out again now that here they are a game away from the Stanley Cup final. It's been a lot of, well, they were gifted their opportunity into, you know, they were, they were gifted their team and, and you know, they're, they're trying to buy a Stanley Cup championship. I've always pushed back on that myself because I just appreciate an owner in Bill Foley who has gone, the only thing that matter, has mattered to him is winning a cup and he is given George McPhee and then Kelly McCrimmon carte blanche to do what it takes and win a cup at all costs. And now here they are, as we speak, five wins away from doing that. But you know what? It's not like, it's not like the team that is a game away from the Stanley cup final is the team that they were quote unquote gifted in the expansion draft. They signed Petrangelo. They traded for stone. They traded for Eichel. They like gave up nothing to get in, to get Stevenson in there. And he's been unbelievable. They claimed Amadio off of waivers. I know that they haven't necessarily built through the draft, but I, I, I push back, and I, I, I'm definitely not on the same page as the uh, anti-Vegas narrative that's out there. Yeah, you know, I think that, that you know, that's a narrative. Like, I had Gary Lawless on my show uh, after game, uh, I think it was game two of the series, and, you know, Gary, felt, Gary said to me, look, that was a narrative that Brian Burke had pushed years ago. And, and it's really an unfair one because, you know, I, when I had pointed out and reminded Gary, and I didn't actually need to remind Gary, I mean, the Vegas Golden Knights have 14 players left from 2019-20. The Florida Panthers have three. The Toronto Maple Leafs, I believe, have seven or eight. And three of those include, well, two of them include Kyle Clifford and Jake Muzzin. They have seven players from their initial roster. I think that that's, that's as many or maybe, maybe they're, they're, they're top two or three uh, in the league when you go back to, to their initial roster of how many guys they still have left. Gifted? I mean, really, did any of us think that the Vegas Golden Knights were going to make it to the Stanley Cup final in year one with that roster? So, yeah, I, I, I just think that, look, it's, it's, a, it's a bad argument, in, in my opinion. I agree with you, Pat. I mean, it, it really is. And so, uh, yeah, look, as I said, four, seven players from that first year, 14 from three years ago. You know, are, are we criticizing Florida, the Florida Panthers who have three players left? from 2019-20, yeah. you know, uh, it's, it, it's just an argument that doesn't really hold any water. What, uh, what do you make of the Jamie Benn two-game suspension that was levied on Wednesday? Well, I mean, I think Jamie would have, been, would have done himself a lot uh, a better service if he didn't speak. I mean, <laughs> you know, his, his, his reasoning, you know, for why it happened was just, you know, it's mind-boggling that, that those words came out of his mouth. Uh, you know, I'm trying to brace myself. and But, look, the suspension on itself, Pat, I have no problem with. He should have been suspended for two games. No, no argument there. I think the people in, in, in Edmonton have to be going, you know, screaming as loud as they can from the top of the mountain going, are you kidding me? You, you suspended Jamie Benn too, but you didn't suspend Petrangelo too? Like, I, 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 I'm, just, I'm just, you know, so from yeah. that standpoint, that, that, I, I don't really understand it. But, um, you know, look, what Jamie Benn did, uh, yeah, he, he, he put his team in a, in a terrible hole. They almost survived it. They were a minute away from killing that five-minute major. Um, but, you know, you, you lose your captain, you know, a minute 53 into the game, and then, you, you know, you end up losing the Don off a little later. By that point, the game was already out of hand. You know, uh, I, 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 I'm just shocked that Jamie Benn did what he did. 
uh, at that point, you know, at any point, but especially a minute 53 into a game when you're already trailing the series 2 nothing and you're already down one nothing in the yeah, game. Agreed. Um, we're talking to Jonathan Davis. He is our Pacific Division insider and uh, joins us from NHL Network and NHL Network Radio. We did not get a chance to speak last week. The Oilers get eliminated by the Vegas Golden Knights, who are now up 3-0 in the Western Conference Final. I'm just curious as to your thoughts on this Edmonton offseason and what the Oilers need to target and some of the, thing the, Oilers, some of the things the Oilers need to accomplish this, uh, this summer, knowing that they won another round, they got back to the Final Eight, but they've had trouble. You know, They ran into a very good Vegas team out in six last year, ran into the Colorado Avalanche out in four. What does this Oilers team need to do to get over the hump? Well, I, I think the you know the easiest thing is to point to you know the two guys in net. I mean, you know, you're if you're going to come back with both those two guys, you're kind of hoping that you know that Stuart Skinner, who had a great regular season, can can be the guy, and you and you hope that Jack Campbell, who you know had just a you know a, a disastrous or disappointing, let's say, first season at Edmonton, can find a way to bounce back. But you know, you're hoping. Um, I, if there is a way for them to bolster their goaltending situation and they're able to move, I mean, for me, that would be the most obvious thing, Pat, is if they could find a way to, to pedal off one of their two goalies and get themselves a more established goalie. The window is closing. You know, we only got so many more years left of Connor and Leon. And, you know, you know, I think you have to take advantage of it. You know, they've, they've improved the back end. Their numbers, you know, got it got really good when DRNA became full time. They got even better when Matthias Ekholm became uh, became a member of the Edmonton Oilers. So, you know, they they fixed that part of it. Um, but they've got to find a way to to fix their goaltending. I heard another story that um, I think it was the guys from Missing Curfew had talked about the fact that one of the issues with Jack Campbell during the playoffs was that he was trying to figure out what goalie pads to use, and he could never get himself comfortable, and it really infuriated the team. Interesting. Yeah, all of a sudden he's like trying out three different sets of goalie pads during the playoffs and never got comfortable. Um, I don't know. It was just an interesting story I heard. I, I heard uh, that you know Scotty Upshaw and Shane O'Brien talking about on, on their podcast. Last one, and and it's funny you, you talked about the the blue line, and you know DeHarnay certainly solidified him in the regular season, and then struggled a little bit more as as the postseason went along. Do they, they, they brought an Eckholm, which was huge, no doubt about it. And Eckholm did so yeah. much for them, and that was the right acquisition for them. Do they need one more defenseman, though? I just, because Tyson Berry went the other way, so it wasn't a straight up addition. I just wonder if one more top four guy, easier said than done, lots of teams want that. But if, if I were to point, you talk about goaltending, I wonder about that one more guy on defense that. That you can, you know, so that maybe Kulak isn't playing as far over his head, or maybe CC isn't playing as far up the depth chart. That's the only thing that I wonder about in terms of, you know, goaltending. Yes, but I really wonder about if there's a way that they could add one more blue liner uh, between now and the start of the season. Well, I think a lot of teams would like very to. true. I mean, you know, you very true. Way, you know, you look at you look at the way Pat that that team finished down the stretch. I mean. They gave up, what, two goals or less, I think, in, like, you know, their last 14 games. Mm-hmm. I mean, or, you know, maybe there's, like, you know, maybe one or two games in the last 14 that they gave up more than two. I, I, I think that, you know, I, I like their blue line. You know, look, Barry went out and Bouchard goes in. And think about 
you know, that what a huge upgrade that ended up being. So, uh, you know, with, with Bouchard and Ekholm and Nurse, uh, you know, you've got three really uh, three good guys. And look, Darnell Nurse gets slotted into that second pairing, which uh, w- w- was a really good thing for for the Edmonton Oilers. So, for me, at the end of the day, when you've got two goalies that you know have a save percentage below 900, that's you know that to me is the area that you've got to find a way to make better. Whether it's whether it's those guys figuring out what what their problems were, or finding yourself another solution. I mean, there are you know so. Uh, that's where I would go um, because I, I don't know. Do you envision this Oilers team next year potentially? Like, if they were to win the Stanley Cup, do you see it with Stuart Skinner or Jack Campbell being the goalie? Um, probably not. Probably right. like okay. just off the top of my yeah. head, probably not. Yeah. So that that to me is where you know I, I'm trying to find a way you know and seeing what what is out there that I can try to make a deal because i think that's the one thing right now that's holding them back good stuff jd enjoy game four of the western conference final we'll talk to you next week all right bud have a great day jonathan davis from nhl network and nhl network radio joining us here on flames talk to wrap things up this hour he's our pacific division insider and he joined us on the atlas pizza and sports podcast hotline using the same secret recipe since 1975 dine in at 6060 memorial drive northeast takeout or deliveries at 403-248-3344 uh for jonathan davis for Derek wills for our producers Taylor and Cam. My name is Pat Steinberg. That'll wrap us up this hour on Flames Talk. And this hour has been the Sports Drive. Brought to you by Calgary Lock and Safe. Make patio setup easier for your staff with a key to alike system. Just one key to lock all your padlocks and doors. Visit calgarylockandsafe.com.